the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, today, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hello, everybody. And my son, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us. And for those of you who haven't heard the show before, you know, we're, we're in a couple of different parts. First part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, that's avoiding probate. And in today's world, that's very important. As far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The second part of the show, we talk about history, politics, religion. And today we're going to be talking about, you know, charitable giving a little bit and a little bit about a history. And we'll explain that, you know, somewhat later. Now, Beth, you have a, a question there. And by the way, Michael, where do you email us a question? If you want to email us a question, you can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors is spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. And people have been asking about seminars, but one lady actually came in last Saturday, and she said us she saw our seminar on YouTube. So where can you get that? If you want to see our seminar on YouTube, which will give you a good idea as a you know basic course on what you might need in terms of estate planning, elder law, and so forth, you can go, just go to YouTube.com, hit that search bar in there, and you're going to want to search Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar. You're going to see a long video with Dad right there on the front, and that should be your top result. Once again, it's Connors and Sullivan Video Seminar. Okay, and we are going to be doing seminars live and in person the end of June. We'll get the dates out in the next couple of shows, but we're, we're trying to nail down the final places and shows. But we're going to be doing seminars in Brooklyn and Queens in the last week of June. Now, Beth, you, you had a question or, that came through. Right. We have a friend, actually, who never married. Um, she has no children. Um, she's very concerned about um, her estate because she, she wants it to go to specific charities, and she doesn't want anybody, she doesn't want nieces or nephews um fighting over it she wants every, she wants everything she has to go to charities so what should she do well i mean the first thing obviously you start with a will and that's the beginning step 
and estate planning. So, in other words, name your charities. Uh, now, now, some people are out there saying, well, I thought I shouldn't have a will because if I have a will, it goes through probate. Yes and no. If you have a will and you die with assets in your name alone, your estate is going to go through probate. But just because you have a will doesn't mean your estate is going to go through probate. Ordinarily, you want to put the assets in such a way that they don't have to go through court. But the will is kind of like, if, whether we do a trust or another thing, the will is a, a signpost, like, where do you want your assets to go? So let's say you have four charities. I, I want to leave, you know, and I don't want to really name any charities, but let's say I want to leave everything I own in four equal shares to four charities. Okay, the will is the first step. And, and one of the things that's not always easy when you're doing these things, the, the assets don't go to the charity by themselves. they got to be delivered there. And you have to choose a person who's going to take your assets and deliver them to the charities. And if it's your will, that's going to be your executor. And your executor is the person you choose to administer your estate, and they get paid a commission, and the assets in your name alone, if they pass through your will, after the will is probated, which if one of your nephews and nieces doesn't cooperate, could take a very long time, uh, and maybe you want to avoid probate, and then you want to do a trust with your assets. Now, I know some financial planners say, um, well, you don't need a trust. Just name the charities as beneficiaries of your um, accounts. You know, you have a, a brokerage account. Just name the charities as beneficiaries of your brokerage account. And, and, and that, yes, you can do. But there are a couple of things about that that sometimes causes problems. Occasionally, I've seen cases where assets go almost to abandoned property because the person dies and nobody has any incentive to notify the brokerage account of the company that the client died and to get the assets to the, the charity. Nobody's really taking charge and, and doing the job. And if you're going to ask somebody to do the job, they get paid a commission, they should get paid something. And where is the money going to come to pay for that person? So in a lot of cases, if you want to avoid probate, we put the assets in a trust. And the trust, let's say I leave everything I own in four equal shares to the four named following charities. And I appoint an, a person to administer the trust and get the assets to the named people. And, of course, that administrative trust is hopefully somebody who knows you fairly well, who's going to know you passed away, is going to be able to take charge, and then after you're gone, collect the assets that are in the trust and send them to the charities, and, of course, leave a little bit of money left to pay your bills and your expenses and other things that come up because you never know what you're going to have. And I've seen cases where everything's left in trust for a joint. There's no estate and there's nobody to pay the rent. And, okay, so there's nobody to pay the rent. The landlord's not going to release the apartment until somebody pays the rent. And so your furniture and your tangible items, which may or may not be worth something, might go to the state or might go wherever because nobody's going to put a claim in to, uh, to pick them up and nobody's going to pay the rent. You know, like, yeah, if you have a couple of items that might be worth a little something, who's going to pay six months' worth of rent to pick up a, an old TV set? Or more importantly, in some cases, some old family photographs that maybe have no monetary value, but they have some sentimental value. So that's why I always like to have an executor or a trustee to wrap things up because there are too many loose ends that if you just leave everything straight out to the charities, there's nobody in charge. Let's say you owe a little bit of money on your final tax return. Where's the money, money going to come from to pay that return? Your 
you know, if, if you own a house, obviously you're going to have expenses on the house before you sell it. So where does the money come to pay for the expenses of the house? Now, of course, if the house is in a trust, when you sell the house, you can get reimbursed, you know, when you, when you sell the house and get the money from there. But that's why I like a trust the person you choose to wrap up the legal financial business matters after you're gone. That's the executor. The trust is the person who manages the assets that are in a trust and gets them to charity. Now, if you are leaving your assets to charity and none of your family members or friends wants to do the job because it is a job, then you can always talk to us at Connors and Sullivan and we'll get somebody to, you know, to be the executive trustee, depending on the charities that you're looking at. And, and God bless you if you're going to leave something to charity, because there are a lot of good charities out there. I don't even know how somebody could even narrow it down. Although, you know, we, we obviously have some, you know, that we feel very strongly about, but we, we know that there are hundreds of good charities and charities do good work. Not every single one of them. Sometimes you may want to check it out with the attorney general's office and what percentage of the money raised by the charity goes to actually the beneficiaries, the intended beneficiaries, and how much is kept in administration. But if, if you want to put a charitable plan together, give us a call at Connors and Sullivan and give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We can talk about what you want to do. Again, ordinarily, you would want to avoid probate because you don't want your estate to be thrown into court where relatives get a chance to stall things up or maybe contest the will. Now, with charity, it's not as easy to get a settlement as some other. Um, so if you're leaving it to a friend, but at the same time, people put objections to probate. There's pressure. There's always pressure to give them a settlement. So if you don't want to give your relatives an opportunity to contest your will through probate, then we set up your assets in such a way that we don't have to go through probate. If you have real estate, the best way to do is, is a trust. And my feeling is the best way, if you're going to leave assets to charity, is through a trust. Because we avoid probate and we have a central fund. You don't want to stick somebody with bills. Or you don't want to have bills unpaid. Because you don't want to, let's say, lose the items in your apartment if you have an apartment. Because you didn't pay your rent. And we can't get a court order to open up the apartment because there's nobody there who has incentive to do it. And the charity's not going to want to put your assets in the charity. is Who's going to contact the charity to say that you passed away? And, I mean, you might say, well, I know so-and-so and it worked out fine. And it, certainly there's a good shot. But things sometimes go wrong. You want to plan against things going wrong if you Want to give us a call at Connors and Sullivan? You're more than welcome to do it, and God bless you for leaving assets to charity. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. Our next guest is going to be our my brother-in-law, Beth's brother, Ted Mitchell from Texas Tech. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress, a government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. 
This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. I have children. How can I protect them if something happens Will my to assets be lost if I go into a nursing home? We have property. How will it affect the ones still here? Who will help us take care of Grandma? These questions can be answered by calling 718-238-6500 for a free consultation from Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, providing dedicated, caring, and highly responsive legal services. They're focused on issues that matter to you, protection of your family, preservation of your assets, and respect of your wishes with dignity. That's all I want from a lawyer, making it easier for my children. Call 718-238-6500. Get a free consultation. Connors & Sullivan's clients don't get lost in the cracks. They have dedicated attorneys who know their clients and the issues that matter most to them. Connors and Sullivan's estate planning, elder law, and probate attorneys work closely with every client. Don't leave behind problems for your family. Call 718-238-6500 and get a free consultation today. Connors and Sullivan, plan now for later. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. I know a lot of people out there have been asking me, hey, how come you don't play the John Wayne Cancer Institute radio commercials anymore? And and the reason for that is, and I think Beth can best explain it. So, Beth, you want to go ahead? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's the sad story. Um, Anita LaCava Swift, who is John Wayne's oldest granddaughter, gave me a call um, two Januaries ago, and she was so sad, and she said, did you hear what happened? And I said, well, no. The John Wayne Cancer Institute, which we've spoken about for years, which is in um, California at St. John University Hospital, all of a sudden, St. John's Hospital just decided that John Wayne wasn't cool anymore and was an embarrassment on the hospital so without telling the family or anybody the even the doctors that were part of the the cancer residency program they didn't tell them either and at the beginning of the year they just removed John Wayne's name from the hospital and the the family was just devastated and of course that was mainly Patrick and Anita the people that we've worked with for so many years so she, we were talking, and I said to her, "Would you mind if I got if I got in touch with my brother, my brother Ted, who is the chancellor right now of Texas Tech University? Um, maybe they would like 
to get involved with the John Wayne Cancer Institute. And she said, oh, that would be wonderful. So we understand there's an event coming up in May, the big cure. And right now we have Beth's brother, Ted Mitchell. And Dr. Ted, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. It's good to be on. Okay, so time we get to see each other now. Right. <laughs> well, what what's going on between Texas Tech and, and the John Wayne Now Cancer Foundation? So if you look at what, what it is that we're trying to accomplish uh, in partnership with the John Wayne Cancer Institute, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make certain that moving forward, people in rural areas of the country have access to the highly trained cancer specialists that the John Wayne Cancer Institute helps to support to produce. So keep in mind, when it comes to cancer therapies, one of the most important parts of it, especially at what are called academic health centers, is that you have surgical oncologists. And these are the doctors that specialize in the more complicated cases of cancer surgeries. And the John Wayne Cancer Institute has sponsored this for the longest time through their, uh, through their hospital in, in California. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to spread that to the state of Texas. All right, and what? So, what exactly are you guys doing with the? Well, it's the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, which it's a, right. a long story to tell the difference between the institute and the foundation. But it's all run right. by different members of the Wayne family. Right, and so for us, we're working with the foundation to make sure that we have in in Texas a surgical oncology fellowship program that specialized training after a general surgery residency where people will come in, train for, uh, as I mentioned, the, the more complicated types of cancer surgery, so that then you can have these surgeons, once they've finished, go off to areas that currently don't have that type of specialization. So what we're doing in conjunction with them, they will help us with our fundraising efforts and the like, and what we would like to do is have the funding raised so that we can have a permanent endowment here in the state of Texas for training these cancer surgery specialists. Ted, could you do me a big favor because we are up here in New York City and I, people up here do not appreciate Texas Tech when you're talking about sure. rural areas. Sure, and that's a great point because when you think about the United States in general, you have the highly urbanized areas in each of the states. And what it's important to remember is think of this with, with the, the state of New York You've got this vibrant city uh, with New York City, but you also have exquisitely important areas of the state upstate where you've got the people that are very often producing the food and the fiber that the people in the cities are using. In Texas, of course, uh, if you look at the rural areas of the state, our people in the rural areas are the ones that are producing the food, the fiber, and the fuel for everybody. If you look, for example, in the state of Texas, in the panhandle of Texas, in Amarillo, that's the beef capital of the nation. And so there they're helping to produce the food for steakhouses all across the country. If you get down toward the Lubbock area uh, where Texas Tech is located, we're the nation's leader in producing fiber, cotton. So about a third of the annual uh, cotton crop for the United States is produced in the state of Texas. And about 50% uh, of that is produced in eight counties right around Lubbock. So it's the fiber. And then of course, when you go two hours south from here, uh, you have the fuel, the oil and gas fields of the Permian Basin that produce energy, not just for us, but for energy for around the globe. But here, here's the important point, 
if you look at upstate New York, if you look at West Texas, if you look at areas outside of the cities in New Jersey and in Maine and all of the all of the states around, it's these rural areas where you've got the farmers and the ranchers that are producing the, the things that we all need. And our job, our job at places like Texas Tech is to make sure that we're taking care of them and their needs so that in turn they can take care of us in the cities. Now, let me ask you something. You know, like a, a lot of our listeners met Patrick Wayne and Anita uh, a few years back. They came up to Brooklyn and said hello to our listeners, and I think everybody had a great time. Um, but it, I think it's important to our listeners that the John Wayne name means a lot because a lot of our listeners, they love John Wayne, and they they were kind of hurt that the John Wayne name was taken off the John Wayne you know, Cancer Institute. Is that a danger now with Texas Tech and the foundation? Uh, I think that is that's uh, something that will never be an issue here. If you look at the state of Texas, uh, I think in many instances, the state itself is synonymous with the, the very things that John Wayne always stood for. Uh, the state of Texas is all about rugged individualism, about uh, doing things to help yourself, about doing things with self-reliance. And that is the fabric of this state. And so I don't think there would ever be a danger in John Wayne's name being anything but, uh, but, but highly revered in a state like Texas. And the fact of the matter is the loss somewhere else is the gain for the state because, again, you've got people here that are very appreciative, not just of what John Wayne stood for as an individual, but very specifically in our medical communities, understanding the importance of what the John Wayne Cancer Institute and the John Wayne Found, uh, Cancer Foundation have done for people all over the country. I have a question. When we visited, um, we went to California a couple of years ago and visited the, the hospital out there, and there was a huge room that, you know, and we were in the John Wayne Cancer Institute building, and this huge room had samples of of cancers going back decades and what had been the the procedures that had been used to try to defeat the cancer is that does that just stay do you know it is that just lost to the john wayne family does it stay no, 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 in no. I, I don't think so and that's that's on the research side that part of it's on the research side which is still housed there and keep in mind these researchers are dedicated to what they're doing and the work they do. And while it's extraordinarily unfortunate that they have, that the, the hospital has tried to divorce itself from the family name, the family itself is still dedicated to the proposition of making sure that those research efforts move forward. And so there won't be anything that they will do to stop that. Now, uh, the, the possibility then uh, they're, moving forward would be that by developing a surgical oncology fellowship program at Texas Tech University at the Health Sciences Center uh, to be able to then expand those research capabilities here as well. And that's something that as you have uh, at an academic health center, new specialties come in. One of the things they want to do is to then start their own research programs. And this would be affiliated with our surgical oncology program so it gives us the opportunity to start some of our own cancer-dedicated research for surgical oncology 
right here at the Health Sciences Center at Texas Tech. Well, that I mean, and how large is your Health Sciences Center? Well, we actually have, when it comes to Health Sciences Centers, we have the largest Health Sciences Center in the state of Texas. And so we actually have, if you look at typical Health Sciences Centers, you'll have anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 students at the Health Sciences Center. We have over 5,000 students at our Health Sciences Center. And in fact, on an annual basis, if you look at all the graduates of health-related universities in the state of Texas, and we have currently uh, uh, nine different health-related universities, but in spite of having nine, we produce about 27% of the annual state's graduates in health-related areas at Texas Tech or Health Sciences Center. So we are by far the largest producer of health-related professionals in the state. I'm going gonna, gonna to change the subject. Uh-oh. What's your favorite John Wayne movie, <laughs> and why? Oh my gosh! Now, see, I'm going to tell. My answer is going to be different than yours, Mike. Okay, it doesn't uh, matter. Well, then you're wrong. But that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you that, that that my most memorable John Wayne movie is Big Jake, <laughs> and one because it, it was so it reminded me so much of, of as you know, Mike, our father, my dad. Uh, the, the, the character that he played in the life is very reminiscent of my own father with that. But I think also uh, in my generation, I'll call us kind of the boom, the latest Wayne movies that, uh, that he made were the ones that really you know, we saw for the first time. Then, of course, as you get older and you look at some of his older, his movies that he was doing originally, is The Searchers, which is a phenomenal movie, but the, the most memorable for me uh, is Big Jake. Well, Dad watched that all the time. Um, and you know what? I really do think it's probably Patrick Wayne's finest performance. I do too. In, you know, in, in Big job. Jake. I think that's his best performance. And Chris Mitchum, you know, who's been yeah. on our show, I don't know if you know it, but Chris Mitchum ran for Congress a couple of times in California and really almost won as a Tea Party Republican back a few years ago. Oh, wow. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Chris, a, Chris has been on the show a few job. times. Yeah. And, that, that, uh, you know, now, the the director of that, who directed it? George Sherman. George Sherman. He's looking at me like I'm crazy. I have to I have to divide up the John Wayne movies by the directors. Ever, sure. Mike's favorite are always John Ford. Sure. Yeah, and by the way, Patrick John Ford was Patrick Wayne's godfather, which uh, oh, that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, that was a you know, so that's why, you know, and and Patrick made a number of films with John Ford that didn't even include his father. Like one of the ones that he was talking about one night when we we're having dinner in Manhattan, he was with, um, he acted with William Powell, and I said, wait a minute, you were in a movie with William Powell, Mister Roberts? I completely forgot about all that. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. It's a. I figured it, that every movie he made would be with with his. It's a it's a very small world when you when we've been fortunate to to speak with um some marvelous actors and it really is a very small world when you're when you're the best. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Yeah, and then uh, one of course one of the movies, and I you know it's it. it didn't get critical success, and Patrick Wayne is embarrassed by it a little bit. He was pretty good in Cheyenne Autumn, which is the last of John Ford's westerns, and he plays yeah, a young cavalry yeah. officer 
um, yep. who has an impetuous charge and gets shot and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I, but I, I don't see how you can put Big Jake up with the with Oh, the hush, searches. Big Jake is great. <laughs> no, it's an interesting It's an interesting. And it's very movie. upsetting. Well, Ethan Wayne is in it also. He's the little kid. Yeah, right. we, we spoke to him once. We really don't know Ethan that well, but we did speak to him once, and he said, you know, all all they told me was to run like you're scared and just run around and pretend you're scared, and that's that's all he did in the movie. Well, he did it well. All right, he did it very well. Well, listen, Ted. One of these days, we're going to have to get you back on because I'm very proud of my younger brother. You know, you've done a lot of stuff, and I know y'all are traveling on. You know, beyond Midland, so you may break up on us, but um. We we want we just wanted to introduce you and Texas Tech to our listeners up here and let them know that all is not lost. The John Wayne Cancer Foundation is now going to be going up running and you know anybody that's interested in cancer research even though we're up here you might think about Texas Tech. Right and and just mind, their fellows have gone all over the country the fellows they produce folks that we produce down here wind up all over the country uh, in practice, and this is an area that's sorely needed, so I hope to be able to tell you more about it as time goes on. Absolutely. All right, Ted, take care. We'll be talking to you soon. Okay, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Y'all take care. Oh, it was great. You take care. Bye-bye. The Guild for Exceptional Children, or GEC, has been providing excellent care to children and adults with developmental disabilities since 1958. It is our mission to help build better lives and brighter futures for the people in our care. We serve nearly 1,000 individuals each day and are proud that 90 cents of every dollar is used for actual services. Please visit www.gecbklyn.org or call 718-833-6633 to learn more. I'm in a good place in my life. And I'm energized by new adventures. I've got friends to laugh with. And a good relationship. But even though I'm kind of comfortable... I sometimes wonder, is there something more? Could God in church be what you're looking for? Come and see at catholicscomehome.com. You know, we're talking about the John Wayne Foundation with Dr. Ted there. But, you know, uh, we had some sad news a few days back. Uh, Melinda Wayne Munoz, John Wayne's oldest daughter, uh, passed away a little while ago. And that that saddened me very much because she was a very nice person. I had an opportunity a couple of times to sit next to her, you know, at a, a luncheon one time and a, and a dinner. And she was a very nice person and very religious person. And at one point, we did interview her on the show. So we're going to replay, you know, that interview from Melinda. And, and those of you remember going back to The Quiet Man, she was one of the children at the racetrack, and along with Patrick. And I think some of the other kids, I think Michael might have been in that scene or whatever. I think a number of John Wayne's kids were in the scene at the racetrack at The Quiet Man. And... and like I said, she she really didn't become an actor like Patrick Wayne or Ethan, but again, a very nice person whom we lost. It's it's a loss, you know. My regards to the Wayne family. They have our prayers, 
And I, I just have to note two things about the interview. One, it was done around Christmas time, so there are references to Christmas. And, you know, obviously we're taking this interview out of context. And also we were talking about the John Wayne Cancer Institute back then, which, as we've mentioned before on our show, St. John's Providence uh, Hospital in Santa Monica, California, took the John Wayne name off the Cancer Institute out there, which was, you know, to me, I was personally uh, mortified by that because they used the John Wayne name to raise money for 40 years, and then one day he's politically incorrect, so you take his name down. But that's the world we're at. Again, we're going to have an interview we played in the past with Melinda Wayne about her father, John Wayne. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now, I'm very pleased to have with us a member of John Wayne's family, Melinda Munoz. How are you doing today, Melinda? I'm fine, Mike. How are you? Okay, fine. I hope you're having a blessed holiday. Yeah, we, we're getting ready for Christmas right now. Mike, uh, before we even start about my dad, can I just uh, say how... What a wonderful service you provide to your audience. It's so helpful to be able to hear from a legal expert on tax and estate laws, especially in these changing times. And you provide such a wonderful service. I want to make sure that you're thanked for that. Well, thank you very much. That you know that I'm thankful. Also, on behalf of the Wayne family, we are really grateful for the contributions we receive from friends all across the country. It's really humbling to know that there are people who are... uh, including us in there. Well, listen, the Wayne family does a great job on in their fight against cancer, in their fight for cancer, cure for cancer, and we appreciate it. Thank and, you know, you. of course, that's, I guess, one of the legacies of your father. Yep. It's just, it's just wonderful, though. People, people come up, and, I mean, we're really overwhelmed and thrilled and grateful. You know, my dad, <laughs> what a man he was. He was... Uh, Every woman loves her dad. You know that for sure. But he was such an example to us throughout his life. Especially, I think he was the most heroic uh, watching him die from cancer. I I know that sounds pretty brutal, but he never complained. He smiled. He knew he was dying. And he accepted every gift that he could get, character-wise. did you want to know about uh, Archbishop McGrath? Yes, yeah, that's one of the things we'd like to to because you you read different stories in books and newspapers and whatever, and and you were, you know, we don't know the truth. You do. Well, at the hospital, my father had two rooms, one where he was in, of course, and then right next to it, that's where the family we uh, would meet and go in and not disturb him, but try to. <laughs> anyway. Um, so in there, they, they put all telephone calls that were coming in for him through that uh, room also. And so my brother Patrick and I happened to be 
the only ones in the room. I'm, you know, it's just, it just happened because usually we're all there all at the same time. But um, they were done getting coffee. But anyway, the phone rang and Patrick answered it. And it was Archbishop McGrath. Now, we had never heard of Archbishop McGrath. So my brother said, oh, Archbishop, my father's sleeping right now. But, you know, we'll be sure to uh, tell him that you called and thank you for your... And then I heard Patrick say, I see, I see, Archbishop. Well, in that case, yes, I will. And he hangs up and he looks at me and he says, it's Archbishop McGrath. He's coming from Texas. Uh, he's from Panama and he's coming from Texas. He, he is coming here to go to a retreat, but he wants to stop at UCLA and talk to Dad. And he knows that. I said, Whoa. Okay, well, you better go tell Dad. He said, no, I think we better go tell Dad. So we went in and said, Dad, um, this Archbishop called, and he, uh, he'd like to come and see you. He's he's going to be here in about an hour or so. And my father said, oh, he said, you kids are going to love him. He's a wonderful man, and I stayed with him when I was in Panama. So both Patrick and I at the same time, you stayed with Archbishop McGrath in Panama, and you didn't tell us? You know, the Catholics and the family. So he started laughing and he said, oh, you know, you're going to love the man. Anyway, he came in and all of us met him and we were all sitting around talking for about an hour and a half. And then the archbishop asked us to leave the room, including the nurse. And he said, if you need any, if he needs you, I'll call you. And then he came out in about 15 minutes and he said, I'm going to call you. And when I do, I want you to get the chaplain from the uh, uh, hospital to come up. Okay, and then he walks out the door and he turns around and he says, when he dies, he's going straight to heaven. So, of course, this is my view. I don't know if anybody else, you know, has the same thing, but I was just overwhelmed, you know, with the whole thing. So then um, I thank God silently, and uh, a few weeks later, the archbishop calls. We call the uh, – we, we never mention anything more about my father's faith to him. We just went ahead and talked about Archbishop and what you know, handsome man and a wonderful spiritual director he was. So the, the uh, we went in and said, the "Dad, uh, Archbishop called and uh, the chaplain is going to come up and see you, sleeping, you know." And we really hated to wake him up, but you know he needed to know. We weren't really sure he was very receptive or not, but anyway, the um, chaplain came in. My father woke up immediately. Oh, the kids are coming, Father. Whatever you have, please, please. And we had said, we had said to my father, we have. Patrick had said to my father, you know, there's a sacrament that we have. It's called the sacrament of the sick. <laughs> so my father looked up and said, Well, a long time ago, they used to call it the sacrament of extreme unction. So we were surprised that he knew that because he was not a Catholic, uh, and uh, he didn't necessarily express any one faith. Though everybody prayed for him that he became a Catholic because he had a Catholic mentality. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, maybe you can explain that a little bit. Every everything that he did uh, when it came to um, when it came to talking about faith, he'd say things like, uh, "Well, the Catholic Church is uh, it's the most reasonable. Once they once you hear it, then you know that's the most reasonable." So for some reason, however, he looked at. Uh, different faith, you know, he would reason things. Of course, you can't reason faith. <laughs> but anyway, he did. And so uh, he respected the Jesuit thinking 
and his sons were, you know, raised by the Jesuits. I, I think that he definitely had this Catholic mentality about him as he went through life about the uh, Catholic religion, and he got it answered. That's one of the reasons I feel that he had a Catholic mentality. The chaplain is there, and, and what happens? So the chaplain, so then the chaplain uh, gives him the last rites, gives him the, the sacrament of the sick, that is. And uh, it was just, it was simple. It just went by simply. It was just, it was wonderful. We all went and talked. And then my father went into a coma, a semi-coma and stuff, and he died about 24 hours later. But he was lucid and clear at the time that he became a Catholic. What do you say? Now, I mean, I've re- I've read some books where they say your father was not lucid, and this is just a story made up by Patrick. <laughs> well, that's interesting. If that's the truth, then I was witnessing, you know, I guess, you, you know, I, I guess uh, I can only say that that's not the truth. You know, the truth is it was a simple, beautiful moment in our lives to witness our father becoming Catholic. Uh, you know, we had prayed for it. My mother had prayed for it. Uh, you know, we were we were raised that way. People may say what they want to say and believe what they want to believe, but they can't take the moment away. And if they could only understand that moment, or maybe they will have the same advantage at some point to see someone baptized who you've hoped would be baptized, who you hoped that would become a Catholic. You know, that his values were so close to Catholicism. Let's face it, the the values today, uh, you can't find them as readily, publicly, as you did in those days that he was alive. You brought up your mother. I think a lot of people don't know very much about your mother. Who was your mother, and, and what was her influence on your life? Uh, my mother was Josephine. She was my father's first wife, and she was uh, a solid Catholic and uh, really raised all of us and uh, was given all kinds of applause for the way that she raised us because we are, we were spoiled, but spoiled with love. <laughs> and I didn't know how to say it to you, but we, my sister and I once went on a, a, a television program where they were the children of, uh, of uh, celebrities. The, the woman was asking all the children different questions. And, you know, it became really clear to us that while we were privileged children, we weren't privileged in we were asked to be more independent than that. You know, one of the children was complaining that, you know, she had to take, have a uh, car drive her to school, you know, a chauffeur. And my sister and I are looking at each other saying, huh, you know, I wish we had one. And then they asked us the same question. We said, well, we, you know, rode our bikes and we went on uh, the bus. You know, that was never anything different than whatever was going on in my school here that my, all the people that I was going to school with, we did the same thing. We weren't ever, we weren't extra special. We weren't, we weren't anything. We were just trying to get through life. <laughs> and and uh, I don't think that I realized my father's wide appeal. I mean, I, you know, he went to, we went to different countries and so on and so forth. And people would say hello, but I didn't realize his appeal until after he died. It was just amazing to me. Even today, I had some Christmas carolers come by yesterday, and so I invited them in for some cocoa. I live on an island, and we have a boat parade, and so they were here. So I said, oh, come in, have some cocoa. And there's a picture in Andy Warhol of my father. And the girl said, oh, she said, that's John Wayne. Now, this girl's 28 years old. 
So I said, oh, yeah. I said, how do you know? And she said, well, you know, my dad died when I was young, but my grandfather became my um, mentor. And she said, we go over. And she said, as a teenager, I had John Wayne pictures in my bedroom. I mean, I was thrown, you know, absolutely thrown. And I said, oh, that's wonderful to hear. So then I told her that I was one of his children. And she said, I, I can hardly wait to go home and tell my mom. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm laughing because that's what I'm saying. I don't expect people to remember my father. And then they do. You know, and they do, they do it for different reasons. You know, she said she identified with my dad as her dad. So there's something about my father that was so solid and that was so inspiring that um, people you know, wanted to identify with that, with him. And then, of course, we children. He was part of some of the greatest films ever made. One of the reasons he made so many great films was his ability. You were in the, yes. you were in the quiet man. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that was my one and only movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a darling, wonderful, wonderful movie, and they still show it today, especially at St. Patrick's Day. Right. But um, on that movie, it was a, really a special movie besides being the script that it was. But on that movie, everybody on the film had relatives there. My father had his four children, Barry Fitzgerald and Arthur Shields, our stepbrothers. John Ford had his brother Francis Ford in the movie. He was the old man. And, I mean, you know, and Maureen Harris' two brothers were in it. So when I say it was family, it was family. And then the assistant director was Andy McClagman, and of course Victor McClagman was there. So it was like uh, it was like being with family. And boy, everybody treated you like family too. <laughs> but I was nine years old. I know you were young, but what are your impressions of John Ford? No, he was wonderful. You know, I, 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 my father admired him so much, you know, that I, I, I looked up to him like a, I, I looked at more like a grandfather, but, you know, Patrick had a tremendous relationship with him. He, he was his uh, grandson and he also used him in movies. So he had a, a deeper uh, relationship than I did. But ours was, you know, I mean, you know, when he was directing and we were younger children and we'd come on the set. We'd salute and say, permission to come on aboard, sir, because my father said, you know, he was an admiral. <laughs> Rear admiral. So we would do these things, you know, just out of respect for him. And he loved it. You know, it was fun. That's, you know, it was pretty good. His relationship with, with uh, John Ford was more than just uh, acting. However, he did very well by listening to the director, John Ford. But they were also... He was also his mentor. He really believed and had faith in him and, the, and vice versa. You know, there wasn't a thing that John Ford wouldn't ask of my father that he wouldn't do, acting or outside of acting. They were very good friends. What is your favorite John Wayne movie and why? <laughs> well, you can't, you know, you can't. Each one has a reason why I love it. You know why I liked it. I think the the first one I loved was Red River because I was just a little girl and I saw my father become an older man in that. You know, he was a young man and then he became an older man. So uh, I liked that. I loved The Quiet Man because it was just it was it was such a wonderful story, and <laughs> I loved um, Hondo. 
you know, I love the searchers. Oh, it's so hard to decide which one. The cowboys, of course, I have uh, seven children, so the cowboys was dear to me because I love the young young men. And I have my grandchildren, I have two grandchildren, and I get all my little grandsons together to watch that because I think it shows them the character that these little children decided to do, to have. You know, hey, you guys can do anything. So there are certain things that you can, I can point out, but I I couldn't tell you which one exactly was my favorite. I guess maybe the Cowboys. (laughs) Okay. Well, there's a good reason for that. Yeah. You know, I have a personal reason for it, but. Um, again, thank you for the opportunity to uh, talk about my dad. He's so wonderful in our lives. And also for what you do for public service. It's really wonderful. Thank you very much, thank Melinda. Thank you to your and, listeners. And we all thank you for the memories that your father gave us and at the work your family does with the John Wayne Cancer Institute, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. God bless you thank all. Thank you so much. May, may, we all, may we all find a cure for cancer in our lifetime. Amen. Almost there. God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless you. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503.
Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, they are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. You know, rest in peace, Melinda Wayne. Again, just a note, if you tuned in a little bit later, this interview was done at a Christmas time a few years back. So the Christmas sentiments may be obviously out of date. And we were talking about the John Wayne Cancer Institute and the John Wayne Cancer Institute is no longer at St. John's. It's really not there anymore. There is, a, as we talked to Ted Mitchell, there is a John Wayne Cancer Foundation that's run by Ethan Wayne, and we're going to be hoping to work with them over the next few months and years, and maybe if you want to remember John Wayne, you can make a contribution to the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. Until then, see you next week, same times and places. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife. Bye-bye, everybody. And my son, Michael. Thanks so much for joining us. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this for the way. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this for the way. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills? can exceed $15,000 a month. People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.